Welcome to another episode of the Stallone Podcast Network. I am your host, Ryan, and with me today, well, my co-host, just equally as such, as always, Doug and Craig. Guys, how you doing? I'm doing just wonderful, Ryan. I tell you, <laughs> days like this, I love meeting up with you guys and, and recording, but God damn it, when are we going to get a good one? <laughs> well, well, actually, just wait, just wait. I want to hear all Craig. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Hi guys, and I'm glad we're talking about this super fresh movie that, like, the second time I watched it, I actually had to like actively search for it because it was no longer on Amazon's splash page. Okay, <laughs> oof is right. Okay, so we got what is it? Two weeks? It's it's out for two weeks now at this point. I think it's week three because we were supposed to record this Breaking Kayfabe. Uh, we were supposed to record this last week. Well, no, not yeah. Breaking Kayfabe because you announced it, Ryan, and then you kept the announcement up. Yeah, September 4th at the time of this recording was the original recording, but to commemorate the disaster of September 11th, we're also going to be talking about this disaster. <laughs> True patriot you are. Okay, so we're talking about Stallone's latest film. I mean, this is this is the first time, I think, on our podcast that we've talked about a film that basically came out during the time of our show. Has is, is this happened before on mm-hmm. our show? Oh, Escape Plan 3. Sorry, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, we didn't cover Escape Plan 3 as like a new movie. No, you're right. Or Backtrace. I think Backtrace was a new film. Anyway. Oh, my. <laughs> Jesus. We can say what we're going to say about Samaritan, but this is Samaritan is not on the same level as a Backtrace or an Escape Plan 3. I mean, a lot of the messages I sent, are we frozen? No. Yeah, I hear you. Craig, you're there. Can you hear us? <laughs> One disaster after another. Uh, well, I mean, I guess I mean we could give our broad feelings about it. What do you think about the about the film, Samaritan? Well, yeah, what, Craig was getting into something. He was getting into something. We'll have him come back. I don't know what happened. Yeah, but we, Lord we, knows when he comes, when he's gonna join us again. Oh, oh, he's spinning. He's spinning. I got to spinning. This is always gonna be fun for me to edit, man. Just leave it all in. What What, what do you think? Of the film Samaritan? Well, well, Broad feelings. Yeah, well, we knew this film was supposed to come out. It's so funny. Craig is like the godfather of podcasting, but he's the most technology inept when it comes to connecting. I wonder, what, is it the Vegas Wi-Fi? Is it he's using an old-ass computer? I don't know what it is. Sure, Craig. That's fine. His phone's good. So give us a second there, guys. Anyways, uh, welcome uh, Rocco, Tim, and Donald. Uh, why don't you guys say and give us a brief feeling of those in our Discord. Yay or nay on Samaritan while uh, we're waiting for Craig to join. I think for me, okay, at the end of the day, I wanted this to be more than it was, but I also knew that that's an impossible dream. And I so, <clears throat> here's my byline. This sort of was everything I thought it was going to be. And my expectations were low and my, <clears throat> my expectations were met. At the end of the day, it looked like a film. It talked like a film. But it, it was an Amazon Prime film. I never thought once watching this film that this belonged. Weekend, mm-hmm. summer, blockbuster release. Like the yeah, yeah. end of Marvel or even some of the DC type movies. It just wasn't enough. It was like a very well done straight to video. <sighs> it had straight to video written all over it. And, and I have to ask, yeah. why is it when they make films, do they know right away when they're making a film? This is going to go straight to video. Is that the feeling they have? Do they already know that? Are they already consigned to that when they're creating the film? Craig, uh, welcome back. I think for now on, the phone's the way to do it for you because you're, you're good and clear and everything. Yeah. Or until I get a laptop that I guess works. I don't know, Ryan, because it seems weird because 
until like they made the announcement of when it was coming out on Amazon, the expectation was always that it was going to be in theaters. Am I wrong there? No, I think it was supposed to be. I think that was what we thought. I don't know if it was ever advertised. This is going to be a mega block, you know, Top Gun type release. But I think we kind of thought this was going to be in films, but then COVID hit. Yeah, I don't even know if it's that, Ryan. I, I, I know we talked a, a bunch offline, but we all know that Stallone is going through a divorce right now. And I, I almost wonder, timeline-wise, what that was like and if there was a point where Stallone just said, hey, listen, I'm not going to promote this movie. I, I, you know, I'm not going to go on a promotional tour for it. I'm not going to you know, do the sit-down in a whole hotel room for eight hours and talk about it. Seriously, there was next to no promotion for this movie. That's a fair guess. I remember him, you know, hitting the uh, social media, you know, when he was in production. And then after, at some point, it just stopped. I, I was kind of under the same impression that this was supposed to have a big theater release. But at some point, him promoting it on his social media just stopped. Maybe that was around the time when production was stalled after COVID and everything. But then... Next thing I heard about it was it's going to come back and be released on Amazon Prime. Couldn't imagine what happened between then and now, but like you said, Ryan, it seems like this is a kind of thing that belongs on Amazon Prime and not in theaters. Well, because well, the other thing was at some point during production, Amazon also bought MGM, and the first logo we see on this is MGM, and then we get the Balboa Productions or whatever. I mean, the fact that it's a Balboa production, which was Sly's film company. It also doesn't really bode well for Balboa Films if your marquee release is like straight to streamer. And I mean, the other thing about it is comic book movies are like one of the only guarantees right now, unless it's an established IP. So you'd think that like Stallone in a superhero movie would be a no brainer. I mean, I'm amazed they didn't even just do like opening weekend release. Rocky for director's cut got a theatrical release. Like, <laughs> well, there's an audience, right? There's an audience. I was so confused by this movie because when I heard they were making a movie called Samaritan, I don't know how into comic book you guys are, but there was a comic book in the 90s called Astro City. Their Superman character was Samaritan. So for the longest time, I was like, oh, they're making a spinoff of Astro City. And he, he looks like Superman, you know. So then when I started seeing the artwork for this and they're just like in suits with these iron masks, I was like, what's going on here? And then I Googled it and realized it was based on a different comic book. No, it's not based on a comic book. It's just a, it's just a story. No, no, there was a, a graphic novel or... Really? Did you research, Ryan? Come on. Well, no, you're the notes guy. You tell me there. <laughs> Doug, oh, did you see anything about it? Okay, so standalone graphic novel, maybe? Or? Either way, it counts. <laughs> well, I didn't get know. too I, deep into it, but... Okay, well, look, I hate doing this. I just... Doug was asking the questions at the beginning here. When are we going to get to a good Sly film? I don't know. I think maybe we'll have to go back and review Rhinestone. Wait, that won't work either. But anyways... Well, the did you guys give your overall thoughts on this movie? Just very brief, just while we're killing okay. time. I mean, this is like three quarters of a good movie. As soon as they get on the roof, the mother and the kid, the movie just goes to complete shit, in my, in my opinion. What do you mean by on the roof? Are you talking when they get kidnapped? Oh, when they get kidnapped. Yeah, yeah. Oh, let's just go to it right now. As per normal in our show, Stone Podcast Network, we don't necessarily go in chronological order. So whatever thought comes to you, I can try to find it really quickly on the movie and we can watch it and then talk about it. Okay. Get the kid!
Shea Central. This fucking kid, by the way, I... <laughs> oh my Watch the scene here. Okay, so they're chasing the mom and the son out to the roof that we were getting at the senior, Craig? Yeah. Okay. Going up, good, good call there. You see the arrow going up, yeah. Good, uh. <laughs> what a nice family. Get away from my son, mom. So which part here, Craig? We fucked you. Just the the acting here. It's just all. It's all like amateur level acting. Like I don't know if they were just uh, they had to rush this day or something. I just want to talk no. to my pal. You're not talking to him. You don't talk to him without me. Oh, no. 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 So, okay. This is the setup. I mean, we're getting right to the the end part of the film, but the setup here, of course, is Sam, the the boy who befriends. Joe. Joe. Sorry. <laughs> I was going to say Samaritan, but okay. Spoiler alert. Anyways, uh, we'll, we'll get up to that. But this is the big setup, of course, where, yeah, they're going to kidnap Sam to get Joe drawn out of hiding. And, and then the person who wants to be the nemesis, too, can uh, defeat you know the past so he can continue with his reign of terror in the city. Okay. Even though you could argue, Craig, it's from this point on that the action kicks in, that we get the the see Joe in full regalia of uh, superhero act. Oh, oh yeah. I mean, we basically get like you know what, like uh, Last Blood retread. Seems like Sly's got just like that. Run through the villains, run through the goons. I guess you could trace that back through his career, though. It just seemed like very paint by numbers. I did think the reveal of the twist was good. I know I read a lot of people online that said they saw it. Some people said when they do that prologue, they figured it out, or some other people figured it out 10 minutes in. I don't look for that kind of stuff, and I didn't have any reason to. I'm like you, Craig. I actually don't like to... I'm like you. I think a lot of people are cynical about films, and I'm not trying to be cynical here. I actually went into this film with an open mind. My expectations, I told this to Doug, were low, so my expectations were met, and that doesn't mean I was completely disappointed or I thought it was a garbage film my overall feeling of the film was like this this is my overall response <sighs> mm-hmm. my expectations were low and they were met is it horrible no it's not horrible mm. is it a disaster no and I think what saves it though from being a disaster or horrible is that it wasn't released at the box office we don't have any public numbers we have no idea yeah. how many people have seen this thing it was the number one stream film on Amazon for a while as he said and that's fine that could just mean people clicked on it, watched it for 10 minutes, and turned it off. There's no way of indicating how long they watched it for. When this goes to the box office, those are solid numbers. Let's say it opens with 20 million. That's pretty high, I would say. But then the next week would be five or three. You can't track its failure or success other than other than people's ratings. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has it at 40%. Users have it at 48%. That's about what I expected. You know, I think it's it's because it didn't break new ground. I think it's because... Uh, on the Rocky podcast, I was talking to Katie and Kyle, my predictions of the film, and I had never seen a trailer. I knew nothing about this film other than that Stallone was a aging-type hero in hiding. I mean, that's all I got from Stills, that he was not publicly aware, or people weren't publicly aware of who he was. And I gave a beat-by-beat beat what I thought the film was going to be, and 
like, I'm not a genius, but I nailed it. I couldn't believe it. I was actually editing that episode today. I was like, holy smokes, I, I hadn't seen a trailer. Then I went back and watched the trailer, and I'm glad I never saw the trailer before this film because it gave away. It even hinted at the fact that he had a secret. The hero himself mm-hmm. had a secret. It showed the uh, him getting hit by the, the guys in the car, him fixing yeah. his body. It's like, holy, they showed all these amazing, like, I mean, what I consider the best parts of the movie were actually in the trailer. It's that typical overselling the movie with the trailer. So I, I think I was saved and probably enjoyed the film a little bit more having not seen the trailer. Yeah, like you said, you kind of predicted where it was going to go. I mean, we all knew that it was a, a hero that had been missing for 25 years. So you knew there was going to have to be a moment where. He had to be revealed to the kid. I think the one thing that this movie did well was the overall theme of the movie. There is no purely good or purely evil. There are shades of gray. And they didn't do it where they were banging you over the head with it. That was one of the things that Stallone kind of brought to the project. You can see the instances where he he knows he needs to get involved, but he doesn't want to. But at the same time, I think Stallone has to take some ownership here because pe- I know uh, in the uh, one of the Facebook groups, some listeners mentioned that, you know, the script was bad or, you know, the you know, this suffered from a poor script. Well, Sly was a producer on this movie, too. He wasn't just a hired gun actor. It was Balboa Productions. He's a producer. If the script's got problems, you work through the script. And that's the most frustrating thing here because Sly's a script guy. Mm. That's fair. Oh, you mean mean Stallone worked with a director that he could push around? (laughs) That's weird. (laughs) Okay, Doug, did you have something you want to say about the kid? You were saying something about his name. By the way, his his name is Yavin, or Javin, or Javin Walton. He was in Euphoria for a couple seasons, that HBO show. He is 13 in real Mm -hmm. life right now. He played a 13-year-old in this film. He's also in the Umbrella Academy, so he's in kind of, you know, a couple... I guess his star is rising at a young age. Like he's in these pretty big TV shows, and now he's in this Amazon Prime film with Stallone. Uh, but what's your thoughts on the kid? Before I even get to the kid, okay, I kind of want to just give my overall feelings because no, maybe I wasn't that fair. It's not a wall to wall terrible movie. No. First of all, as far as the twist goes, I saw that before the uh, the intro was even. Done. Now, once they introduced the idea of two superheroes that are brothers, I said, oh, well, obviously he's the other one. <laughs> they're going to they're lead us to believe that he's, you know, the good guy, and it's going to turn out that he's not. So during the, the film, I'm watching it. Stallone is not the biggest problem with the movie. His acting is fine. He showed up to work, and he did work. Some of the effects of him getting hit by the car and like fixing his broken body, those were pretty cool. But at the same time, some of the special effects were really where you could see seams all over the place. It was really disjointed. Well, that was like the, in the, yeah, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say the fire part of the end. The fire, yeah, exactly. The fire and, and well, him. Well, uh, and you know what else? Holding on the DH alone, too. Like, DH, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's something that, that you cut to and then you cut away. <laughs> yeah. I was thinking that same thing. I mean, I think the fire stuff looks pretty... I mean, it looks like movie fire. The problem with this last scene with the fire and the big fight at the end is there's so much fire. It's insane that the kid himself, who's not a superhero... There's not like huge smoke inhalation or anything. I, I do have firefighting experience, like being in the Navy. Like, I have to get firefighting training. I work in real fire facility. A very small amount of flame. And even wearing... The bunker gear, the fi- we wear firefighter gear, and we feel real heat coming through from these propane-controlled fires that we have to put out for training. These individuals, and the amount of heat and flame here, 
they're cooked alive. They are dead. I mean, there's so much fire. It's too much. If I was part of the production company here or something, like, I understand, yes, the Samaritan fire, sorry, Joe, his skin's tougher. It's bulletproof, more or less. We get mm-hmm. that he can withstand. But Sam should be, he's out. He's done. He's a 13-year-old kid. He should be, like, knocked out, unconscious. But he's just right. And, and there's no indication of heat anywhere. There's fire everywhere. All right. And they're, and they're in danger. But there's no indication that this is uncomfortable at all. <laughs> like, no, those those flames would be very, very hot, and they wouldn't even be able to go anywhere near them. Oh, here's so, the, oh, here's the uh, slide. I think I, I think I found it. Uh, so here him is taking off his mask. This is a big reveal, and they hold this uh, de aging here. He's holding both masks. See, that's not terrible. But then that's they're going to cut back to it. I think they cut back to it again too. His head doesn't seem quite attached to that armor. <laughs> but I mean, weren't they twin brothers anyway? They didn't say they were twins. We never see, I guess, Samaritan. Yeah, Samaritan is the one that fell in the fire. For those who haven't seen the movie, the premise is, do we get any indication why these two have these powers? There's no, no origin story, I don't think, is there? It just said no, they were they, born and they were freak, They had freakish powers that made them, what, get bullied a lot. And then they, yeah. when they fought back, that's when it created problems. They went to the family house. They burned the house down and killed the parents, but the kids survived. Yeah. A lot of of fire fire issues, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. So, yeah. So then, uh, you know, one of the kids became good. He became Samaritan. The other kid became Nemesis. And I guess it was like a hero and a supervillain until they had their final showdown and Nemesis was defeated. So then this little kid is constantly trying to find Samaritan. And then we have this useless map. Slow down. Slow down. You've glossed over quite a bit here. Okay. (laughs) The brothers have this big epic fight at the beginning of the film. We see this, like art drawn graphic novel type style fight sequence which was okay but i knew it was going to start kind of with a bang and then it really slowed down which is again fine i don't need balls to the wall action for 90 minutes but it really slowed down the good guy in the film died we were led to believe that samaritan survived but in the actual events nemesis won like the bad guy won. the bad brother won samaritan's actual one that fell to his uh, death but in that moment, I guess you could argue Nemesis felt bad to a degree. He killed his brother, so he hung up the gloves, so to speak. He he just figured, I will fake my death along with my brothers. Live a life of whatever, collecting garbage. That's how it begins. Now, the legend of Samaritan, you could say it's like Spider-Man or you know Batman or whatever, kind of lives on in the hearts of the public. And this kid is obsessed with the Samaritan character as a, as a superhero. Are we to let to believe in this world there are comic superheroes like Spider-Man and Batman? I mean, or is you know what I mean by that? Or is this a universe where there's no such thing as comic books and only Samaritan Nemesis ever exist in the minds of humans? Comic books, yes, but not real superheroes, no. Okay, so that's what I mean. So in this universe, only, yeah, like Samaritan Nemesis were only superhumans that ever <laughs> I love how the bad guy's name is Nemesis. It's like... Uh, well, even Samaritan. It's like I, both of them. It's just generic... Good guy, bad guy. Name. <laughs> you might as well have called them good guy and bad guy. <laughs> Another thing I was thinking, too, is that our... You know, the typical superhero movies that we have are, you know, two and a half to three hours. This is an hour and 40, 42 minutes or something like that. A benefit. I think... I mean, God help us if this was a, a, a three-hour movie. Jesus. But a lot of backstory and ways they could have played with the plot would have been better if the movie was a little bit longer. It seemed it seemed like they had to really shoehorn a lot of stuff in in 
such a short time. Maybe that's one of my problems with the film is you got him right there, Ryan. This, what is the point of this guy with the beard? Well, the Martin Starr character is completely useless. He serves no purpose other than the fact that there's a conspiracy out there that Samaritan lived. But I have to imagine there's 20 to 25 minutes of cut Martin Starr footage because you don't bring in an I mean, Martin Starr is a working actor for 25 years now. You don't bring that guy into your film to have in a in like a throwaway TV clip and then like one scene like it shows that there was a, a bigger possibly a longer cut or something that's what's frustrating like you didn't need that character at all and you know what else really pissed me off in this movie is one of my favorite scenes was the scene after he gets hit by the car he needs to go home and he needs to cool down quote unquote so he's eating the ice cream but the whole cool down aspect like oh when my body get injured gets injured it overheats and we get the ice cream scene, which, but then at the end of the movie, that whole cool down thing doesn't really come into play. It's like, oh, hit me with this water. Yeah. He gets hit with like a bucket of water, and then the kid thinks he's dead, and then he, he's alive. I mean, I don't know if he came home and eat a, ate a shitload of ice cream. I can't believe I found Samaritan. Wrong. You're just a dude who gets hit by a car, gets his bones broken, and eats mad ice cream. I eat this stuff to cool my body down. Why don't you just drink some ice water? I don't like the taste. <laughs> Can I have some? No. Sorry. I need it for emergencies. Why were you steaming? You know anything about binary fission, cellular thermodynamics? What? I'm 13 years old. You know what happens during a heat stroke? When I get hurt, my body overheats. And if I don't cool it down, my heart explodes. That is not human. I really like this scene. It, it was a scene I look forward to when I watch the movie for a second time. I love when the kid says, I found Samaritan, and Joe just flat out says wrong. He doesn't say yes or no. He just says wrong, which I guess for people that were looking for a twist, they were like, oh, he's nemesis or whatever. But thought that was clever. Uh, and I think this is like probably like the only really good Stallone scene in terms of like overall performance. Sloan was fine in it. Question though, why is he wearing the towel and it's had to cool down? I wouldn't you want to? Well, it might be like a like a wet towel, maybe. Like I figured he like he covers his head a lot in this film. I know that's just his character thing, like wearing the jacket. Okay, and speaking of the jacket, this kid wears the same fucking jacket the whole the whole film. <laughs> <laughs> I know you, you asked me a while ago, and I just want to tell you what my issue is with this kid. I know it's a lot to ask an Oscar-winning performance out of a 13-year-old, but this kid is so damn over the top. He's out of fucking 10 for the entire movie. Like, pull it back a little bit. You know, like, tone it down. Act like you've been there before, all right? Instead of, like, it's almost like he's not starstruck with Samaritan. It's like he's starstruck with Stallone and just being... But it, which, which is weird because if he does have other acting credits under his belt, like, he's, you know, this, this shouldn't be a big deal for him. But it looks like he's, you know, won a contest and he and starstruck of being on, on a movie scene, on a movie set. In fairness, though, Doug, that might be a director thing. That might have been the direction he was given. Yeah. That's a good point because... I want to get to the scene here when Samaritan teaches him how to fight. Cause this is, I'll tell you a little uh, trivia there. Apparently, he's a, he's a real boxer, right, or something like that. The word out of my mouth. Yeah. So this. Kid, <laughs> <laughs> I was surprised to read that that the Sam 
well, the actor that plays Sam, whatever his name is, I guess he's a real boxer. Like, he's a trained little boxer, you know? So I just found it interesting that, okay, so in real life, the kid boxes. So, of course, there's going to have to be some sort of... The character doesn't know how to box. Samaritan's going to teach him, but the kid himself actually knows how to swing a little bit. And there's a little bit of meta going on here, you know, Stallone plays Rocky, of course. you got to imagine there was discussion between... I guess what I'm getting at is let's pretend... Let's just pretend... This kid has never boxed in his life. Like, he doesn't do it. He's opposed to it even, or whatever. He doesn't box. I wonder if the scene would have been written, you know what I mean? Or was it just happenstance? Mm-hmm. The scene was always in the script, and the kid happened to be a boxer. So here's the, here's that sequence. Another rooftop scene. Hey, sorry I'm late. Uh, it's all right. Come on. Hey. Let's see you move around a little bit, see what you got. Hey. Come on. I don't have a lot of patience. Chill out, old man. Oh. Okay. Yeah, okay. So let's talk about... So I noticed that too, that chill out, old man. Sly, you're old. Okay? Mm -hmm. You're 76. I don't care. That is now officially old. We can say it in movies. We can say it in real life. But I just love how it's always this... It's such an old joke, too, when the young generation calls the older generation old. Yeah, I'm 20. You'll get there. Yeah. Yeah, like, yeah, I've lived this life. And it's amazing. And one day you'll get to my age. You hope so. Like, I get it. But it's a weird concept where aging is some sort of, you've lived life. You're not dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's It's actually, if anything, it's to show of strength, right? Because you've actually survived and you've made it to whatever age you're at. But of course, you old man, he's like, oh, yeah, this kid's 13 and you're 76. That's a fair assumption. This kid's going to say old man anyways. But he's, oh, old man. Yes, like. So here he is boxing for real, you know, showing what he can yeah, do. Shadow box. Wow. Where'd you learn to rip like that? My father taught me when I was four. I quit when he died. Oh. That's impressive. See, I must have no boxing very well because I didn't think that looked great. Get my hand. I don't understand this. He shows that he's got skills to to fight, but so why didn't he? Yeah, like, did he pull that punch when Samaritan says, hit my hand, when Joe says, hit my hand? So Joe goes, hit my hand, after this little shadow boxing display, and he comes up like a, like a couple inches short. He shows that he can shadow box, but what, when it comes to actually punching somebody, he can't? He should have no problem beating that little squirrely braided head kid up, you know, but... Uh, yeah, Donald said maybe he's making it look bad on purpose. Fair enough. I that's a possibility. I bet you the director's like, okay, kid, do your boxing. And then Sly was just responding. Hey, that's pretty good there, Speedy. All right. These rooftop scenes are the only times during the film where I don't feel claustrophobic. Mm. Like everything down on the street, obviously they live in a shitty part of whatever city this is supposed to be. You really get that feel. Like I'll say that the scenery in the movie is good. They film it in Pittsburgh? I'm not sure. Philly? <laughs> no, they definitely didn't film it in Philly. This is a big plot device, which is horrible. It's too big in that the kid is obsessed with Samaritan and he lives next door. That I thought was, okay. I know they have to connect these two somehow. Now, granted, Samaritan is, or Nemesis, whatever. The, the brothers are from this city. So there's at least there's that geographical, okay, they're at least from, and then it makes sense that if he's going to go into hiding, he's got a low-paying job as a garbage collector or whatever, so he might live in a low-income area. But it's just like this kid's obsessing with Samaritan, enough so that he's bringing his data to that Martin Starr character with, like, I think I saw him, I saw him. And the other guy's like, oh, I don't think that's him. Samaritan's next door. It was so much of a plot 
device. I'm like, but I know they have to connect, but I don't know how else they could have done it. I don't know. It's almost like that's it. They just live next door to each other, and it happens to be. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, you just made me think of a huge missed opportunity, Ryan, oh. for a de-aged Frank Stallone in the scene where Samaritan falls to his death. People would have been, <laughs> people would have been so confused because a de-aged Frank Stallone would probably just look like a, a de-de-de-aged. <laughs> Who's who? Yeah. No, but Ryan, I mean, you need to get those, you know, movie conveniences. You know, you have to look past those because, like, there wouldn't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know how. I don't know how else they could have done it because they had. But of course, the the kid's dad is dead. I think it would have been more smarter storytelling if the dad was still alive, even a drunk, even. But of course, he's dead now. This character comes in as a father figure, and I don't know. I think that's the strength of this movie is really the overall theme that you know. There is no 100% good or 100% bad. There's these gray areas. And just because you're bad at one point in your life doesn't mean you're going to be bad your entire life. And I also think like the reluctant mentoring that Joe did with the kid ultimately at the end of the movie says, hey, you, you know, it's up to you to decide who you want to be. I thought that was the strength of this movie. And it seems like I miraculously enjoyed this movie a little bit more than you two, but by no means would I say that it's a good movie. It was directed by a guy named Jules Avery. Julius. Apparently he's got some good action movie credentials or something. Well, one in particular, which I found the surprise, and this is actually a movie I did want to see back when I heard it, when it came out a few years ago. It's called Overlord. It was actually a bad robot production with J.J. Abrams' company, so, you know, a big name company behind it. It's on the eve of D-Day, a paratrooper squad, most of them in an integrated unit, sent to destroy a German radio jamming tower in Old Church. Oh, it's a zombie movie. Yeah. It's actually got good reviews and everything. But this is his follow-up. So that movie was actually well-received. It did okay at the box office. So I just find it interesting, four years later, or even two years later, he's doing Samaritan. Not seeing Overlord, it just seems kind of like a, I don't know, like it's not as clever or as crazy as that movie seems to be and then the movie he did before this one he's only done three films it was 2014 called son of a gun with ewan mcgregor the next film will be a to be original it just felt like a rehash of unbreakable with bruce willis a little bit with this of an older aging quiet slow moving i'm only going to be doing what i got to do near the end of all this the action sequences at the end of the day with sly the character of joe beating up the bad guys in the in, in the factory and going through walls and but even his own inabilities and capabilities seem to be inconsistent he seemed to be hurt at some points and then other things where he was bulletproof at other points did you catch that too Mm -hmm. well yeah and that's why i get back to like the whole like overheating thing that they didn't really it was a device that wasn't really used other than to have that cute scene where he's eating the ice cream yeah it also made me wonder like why they needed to wear their super suits if you're indestructible like i can understand wearing a mask or something but I really think this is three quarters of a good movie. And then that last quarter, just it really it. I don't know if, like Doug said, they sacrifice some running time. So it kind of feels like a lot of movies nowadays where you rush to the finish line. So there was just too much stuff that was just I don't know if glossed over is the right right word or not. But analyzing movies the way that we do for this little podcasting project that we have, I think it largely has ruined movies for me. Because fifteen year old me would have would have loved this movie. Way too analytical when it comes to movies now. And I'm not trying to be critical. It's just I actually came in with low expectations and I guess I was sad that they were met. I don't apologize for the movie, Doug, because me, you and Seiko, we recorded Total Recall together. 
that was a pretty good discussion. It, it almost seems ridiculous to put Total Recall and Samaritan in the same sentence. If a movie is well-made, well-written, well-performed, well-executed, you're not going to be able to pick it apart. And Yeah, we I, give it its proper due. Yeah, we do. If I had like a final word about it, it's that this kid Are we done already? ruined it for me. <laughs> I want to find the good parts of this. Craig's been very kind to it, Doug. I agree. The kid is annoying. You know who you reminded me of? One of my most hated Sly films ever is Over the Top. The kid. Oh, of- oh my God! Yeah. You know what? I, I was thinking that when I um, <laughs> when I was uh, watching it. Kind of voice. And the cockiness. I, I said, this kid makes Mendenhall, whatever the, what's his name? Yeah, whatever. David Mendenhall looked David. like Marlon Brando. <laughs> <laughs> Man, he was so far worse than than Michael Cutler. He was annoying. His mom is kind of an annoying actress. She was in Orange is New Black. I don't know if yeah, uh-huh. She's okay. She was the pregnant. She was the one that got pregnant, uh, right? The guard. Well, cause got she her pregnant. She just, I never finished *Orange Is the New Black*, so I don't know where funny. where it ended up. I didn't up. either. I, my wife and I, we kind of we didn't tap out. But you know how some shows are like, you just, oh, they just they run their course. Yeah. Okay, so let's talk about the bad guy. So the bad guy who becomes Nemesis Two or wants to run. He's from *Game of Thrones*. *Game of Thrones*, right? Yeah, his name is. I don't. I can't pronounce. Oh, we've lost Doug. We'll wait for Doug to come back. Some like Swedish name or something, right? right? Like Henri- Henrik something. Pilu Asback, or I don't know if I'm saying oh, that right. Pilo or Pilu Asback or something. So he plays Cyrus. Now, so Cyrus, he too admires these superheroes, but he admires Nemesis. He wants to resurrect the Nemesis ideals. And let's cut to the scene because this is very kind of confusing to me. So Nemesis, or Cyrus, sorry, goes to the police evidence room and grabs the hammer. The mask. And oh, is the hammer. Yeah, the hammer of the superheroes, I guess, that gives him a little bit of power or whatever, or strength. Or the hammer itself has its own strength. But now he's going out to the streets with his hammer, and he's going to rile the public to do what exactly? Let's hear this. These black grenades. Have you ever heard of these grenades before that take out? I think there's probably weapons that exist like this where they take out the electronics. I guess in the air, like an like an EMP or something. Right. That's what we're hearing right now is that explosion. They've knocking out the power and the internet and everything in, in whatever radius that that explosion can cover. So Cyrus's gang are to come out of their van and kind of announce their agenda. Here they come. We can do better than that. Puts on Nemesis' mask, holding the hammer. He's going to announce himself to the people that are all confused coming out of the stores like zombies. It's weird. Now listen to that musical cue. It's like they literally ripped off Dark Knight type sound. It's a very... Oh, it's like the... Yeah, and then he's going to talk like... I'm surprised he didn't grab his collar like Bane. You know, he does a very (laughs) Bane-like type announcement to the people. You give them back to you. He's even wearing like the Bane jacket, isn't he? That's what I mean. It's a very, yeah. it's a Bane ripoff, and uh, but he's holding Thor's hammer. Okay, let's listen to what he has to say to the crowd here. Granite City, who comes to help the helpless? Who is our hero? Is that music? Is that music? I am back to start <laughs> a revolution for all the people this city left behind. 
will put the power back in the hands of the people. It's time to take back. So they're cheering already. Like I'd be like, who the hell are you? Like why are they already, <laughs> why are they already ramped up? This is not explained at all. Like why is this no. the general public in this area? They're already amped up. Does his hammer give him like public speaking powers where he can hypnotize the public? This is almost like a magical reaction. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's screw things up, man. Let's flip cars and smash windows. What's he talking about? Let's help the helpless by destroying this. This is all. Oh, okay, help me out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was, and, and this this is where I think the lack of running time kind of made it suffer a little bit because the turn of these people is way too easy and way too convenient. Like, there's no way that some lunatic with a mask and a sledgehammer is going to rally people to start chaos like that. So in the end, in the warehouse scene, in the end, all the people that are shooting Samaritan or Nemesis or Stallone, even though they know that the bolts aren't effective against him, is that all these people? Finish the speech here because they're going to get riled up. It's time to take back what is yours. If I heard this speech and I was downtown Victoria where I live and I heard some guy in a mask with a hammer saying, take back what's yours. I'm like, well, I got my keys in my pocket. My wallet's on me. I think I've got everything. It's mine, buddy. Work. See you later. Like, I'm Now gonna, I'm back. calling the kids inside and locking the doors. Well, I, like, take back what's mine. I don't know. I don't want the. I don't no. want this building or this other car. Can I just drive home, please? Like, again. No, it, it's, yeah. What is yours? Yeah, we broke a window. Woo! By destroying the city, I, I, I don't get. Yeah. I don't get these guys. Are literally, they were just in the internet cafes or at the stores. They blacked out everything. They exploded the area, and they're like, now Nemesis is saying, or Cyrus as Nemesis is saying, go, go. They're all. Like, Cyrus is also a believer that Samaritan survived, right? Well, he's a Nemesis fan. He's of the opinion that Samaritan's alive. I mean, at this point, isn't part of his plan to draw Samaritan back out into public life? No, not not just yet in the film. You know, yeah, he's a fan of Nemesis, but I don't know if he's in the camp that thinks that Samaritan's still alive. It seemed like that was a pretty underground group of people. He, he didn't seem surprised that he was still alive. After his game, basically, no, they, they come to the conclusion that there's another superhero alive, whether it was Nemesis or he thinks it's Samaritan, when... <laughs> Joe Smith gets hit, gets hit by the car because the gang leaders that belong to Cyrus hit him. And say, well, I don't understand. He should. Why is he still alive and around? It must be that guy. And he's friends with that kid that we've also employed. Again, another plot device getting everyone connected very quickly. That's how he kind of figured there's a superhuman still around because they, they were supposed to. Be, he survived that crash walking around still. Yeah, and you would think that the way Cyrus rallied the people that here we are the next day got Joe waking up. The city should be in shambles, right? There should be fires and. And smoke billowing and everything, but it's almost like nothing happened the night before. What is it that Cyrus wants? <laughs> no. 
We have he no wants idea. the helpless that have been left behind to be given what's theirs. It's kind oh. of like a low budget Dark Knight. Yeah, the Bane plot, basically, you know, where it's, you know, obviously they've established that the kid and the mom, you know, they're pretty poor, you know, like she's constantly missing rent to the point where they have to lock them out of the apartments. The idea was to show this, this city where more people are suffering than thriving. So why was the hammer built? It was, it was the was... only way Nemesis could get an advantage over Samaritan. And he put all of his hate yeah. into the construction of it. Vengeance. He forced it was into the hammer. With hate and vengeance. One ring to rule them all. And that was the only weapon that could hurt Samaritan. It worked. When they set off that grenade in the police department, it blacked out a part of the city, right? right? Blackouts in a big city are a major, major problem. Okay. At the end, he blows up the power plant that blacks out the entire city. Whole city. So after the fight in the fire, Joe walks away and there's no mention to what happens to the city afterwards. That'll be in the sequel. Samaritan 2, yeah. Are we to believe that every bad guy died in this fire or in this fight here? So, Well, I think uh, Samaritan killed most of them. I mean, he wasn't pulling his punches. Okay, so then the blackouts in the city aren't a problem anymore? There's no more anarchy on the streets? Sure. I, I was actually... The one, the, the, the one thing I'll give them credit for is that Joe killed Cyrus. I actually was surprised by that. And that was the mm-hmm. one one sequence where I thought he was going to be like, I'm changing my ways. I'm seeing that it should be good for this kid. But I like how Nemesis, Joe, who is actually Nemesis, still kills Cyrus. And this guy is bad news. But, you know, there's no mercy or take him to justice. He just kills him. He actually yeah, and he kills, kills a lot of people. Kills yeah. a lot of people. But you could argue the other events, just like most, like he kind of killed where he had to. But that, yeah. uh, but that Cyrus kill was legit. He could have just handed him over to the authorities. But he goes, no, I'm just going to. He's just going to burn alive down there. I'm like, oh, I legit was mm-hmm. surprised by this. I thought he was going to show Sam here mercy to the enemies, but he actually showed Sam, like, no, we'll just chuck him to his death. It kind of creates symmetry, too, you know, whereas at the beginning of the movie, we see Nemesis defeating Samaritan and Samaritan falling to his death. And here we have, quote unquote, Samaritan winning and Nemesis falling to his death. It's heavy handed, I guess, or I think that was the intent. Here's the scene here of Sam asking, is it true? Are you nemesis after all this is over? Is it true? You got it. Let's go. Is it true? There's people coming. Let's is go. Is it true? Boy, that I'm him. Yeah. It's true. You can fix that. I- I've seen you fix things before. You can change. You can't change who you are, Adrian. (laughs) (laughs) Kirk, let's tell you something. If it was only bad people doing bad things, it'd be easy to get rid of them. But the real truth is, good and bad live in everybody's heart. And it's going to be up to you to make the right choice. And I know you will. All right, let's go. Okay, so of course now Nemesis takes off. You know, we all have good and bad in our heart. Oh, really? Let me guess. We have two wolves that live inside of us. You know, it's, it's, it's a two wolf story. Two wolf story. <laughs> 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 so which one do you feed wins? Like, we get it. Yes, you know. Again, I thought the overall theme of the movie was one of the most successful aspects of it. The execution might have been a little off at points, but I thought it was a good message. 
Yeah, we yeah, all, I, we all struggle I, being good and bad sometimes, but it's, yeah, whatever wolf you feed the most will be the one that displays itself. Sure. I think on paper, you you look at this story, you say this this could uh, this could have some legs to it, but the execution the fell jacket. a little short for me. Sorry, look at that freaking jacket. <laughs> Take that jacket off, jeez. <laughs> Like, hey, he we went, should, uh, he went through this fire. You know how hot it was? Like he didn't even take off the jacket. That is a winter jacket. That's for sub freezing <laughs> temperatures. And he's in an inferno and he never once takes off anything, any layer of clothing to indicate at all that he was burning up inside. Anyways. Living in Canada, you're a jacket expert, so you know. Yeah. If you're inside of an oven, I suspect you probably don't need three layers of clothing. <laughs> Hey, let's uh, address some of Donald's comments. Okay. He said he thought this scene was set in New York, but it, it, I don't know where it's set, but they call it Granite City, so I'm not sure. Is that another, is um, Gotham City? Granite. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. City. yeah. And he said he saw that a lot of teens found this film amazing, so it kind of bucks to my point earlier. I, I didn't see that. kind of speaks to my point earlier where I said that I, I, a 15-year-old me would have loved this. Um, oh, no, I've yeah, never dealt with a blackout on it. No, never dealt with a with a blackout of this scale, so I, I wouldn't know. Yeah, and I saw some comments like on YouTube and stuff, saying, "Oh, you know, like, there's got to be a sequel." I'm like, "What? What would the sequel be?" Well, the sequel would be another twist that Samaritan didn't die in the fire either. Who plays Samaritan? Mickey Rourke. <laughs> Mickey Rourke. Well, but yeah, which actually, actually, that's not a bad idea. Mickey, Mickey Rourke does look like a burn victim, so that might work. He's more plastic now than man. He'd be plastic man. Yeah, be- yeah, there you go. Well, that's almost the good point, the good aspect of this not being a success. Because you know we would have gotten the Samaritan sequel with Mickey Rourke as Samaritan. And we also would have gotten the prequel that was unnecessary that would retell the oh, first yeah. five minutes of this movie. So there'd be mm. the prequel, the sequel, and then there'd probably be like an animated spinoff about just like side characters in the universe. Yeah. Probably like all. I bet your buddy Matt Marchand probably has some unearthed, unearthed uh, data. <laughs> If this was a Disney Plus property, then yeah, they, I can totally see that. I'm glad this film got made. It's an interesting exercise. I never would have thought mm-hmm. we'd ever would have seen, like, Grant Sly did play a very side character in the Galaxy and the Guardians films. I forget his name already in, the, in those films, but he played a real Marvel character that exists in the Marvel Universe with the other, like, side story Guardians. And there was even talk back then, you know, side note, that they were going to do a standalone film with the Sly's gang. Like there was actually going to be a like a Suicide Squad type film of whatever those uh, characters were. Anyways, to give Sly credit, he's 74 during the making of this film. He's playing an aging superhero, so he's playing something within his age. He, the way he was in the film was fine. We expect nothing less from Sly. He's Sly. He's still got it. He still has it. He's got that saunter. He's got the walk. He's got the little <laughs> comedy chop bits that he does with the kid. He's actually he plays it fine. I suspect the weakness that we know in this film is that I did see the twist coming. This is somebody who watches things at face value. I don't like to look ahead. I just try to see what is it that the viewer is being shown, and I try to live in that world. Because it was so painfully obvious, I thought it wasn't the twist. Meaning, like, am I already figuring out that he's Nemesis? Why am I thinking that already? When it did get revealed that he was, I was disappointed that I figured it out. And so I was double thinking myself, maybe it's not the twist. Maybe the twist is the twist of the So it wasn't that clever. And I guess that was disappointing. I kind of wish that maybe they just revealed it earlier, just saying that, you know, he was always just nemesis. And that might have been more of an interesting story to tell that he was the bad guy trying to live a good life. Maybe his character was trying to redeem himself. Don't make it a twist. Make it part of the storyline that 
he's living with the secret that he killed his brother. Maybe the kid does find out, but we, the viewer, always knew that was Nemesis. And that he just kept the idea, that Nemesis kept the idea of Samaritan being alive to give hope to people. It's fine. It's a harmless movie. We have seen much worse from Sly's filmography, like the Backtrace film, yeah. the yeah. Escape Plan uh, 2 and 3. I mean, there's... Yeah, I wouldn't discourage anybody from watching this. I've watched it twice. When we postponed things, I said, you know, I'm not watching it a third time just so I stay fresh on it. Both times I watched it, it was, like you said, it was fine. And again, if somebody asks or somebody listening to this... I would not discourage you from watching it, but it's not going to be one you want to rush out and buy on Blu-ray if and when it comes out. Or it's this is probably not a movie I'm going to think about again, want to watch again. That's kind of the state of cinema in 2022 anyway. It's all disposable. You watch it, you absorb it, and you move on to the next thing. I mean, that's kind of the culture that we've created. I think I'm kind of in the same camp as you where we've seen much worse from him and this isn't really anywhere near the bottom well the first thing i said is when are we going to get a good one i didn't mean to say that i didn't find some quality in this film it's just one of those i saw it like you craig i'm probably never going to give it a second thought it's forgettable but i'm glad that i watched it Oh, probably not (laughs) i kind of want to show my boys to be honest with you i think i might just because they enjoyed the superhero film, so I think I might. They yeah, that's my fan. So I'll say, hey, and they've watched the Rambo mm-hmm. films with me. So I'll just say, hey, this is uh, the Rambo actor playing the uh, an, old, an old superhero. And I think on a Saturday afternoon, I might put this on again, give it some time, and just watch it with them. Why not mm-hmm. see through the yeah. see the teens or they're not teens, but they're uh, they're ten and eight right now. But I, I suspect they would probably get a kick out of it a little bit, you know, seeing this world and because they would watch the boys. Mm-hmm. I think for them, I think that's why maybe teens like it because they would see themselves. The young right, boys, as a kid, the young kid will see themselves as a kid. And I think his acting is engaging enough for a young viewer. That's the thing is I think young viewers aren't put off by Sam, the actor or character, mm-hmm. but we as older viewers are, I find them grating. He reminds, yeah. he reminds me of the overtop kid. Well, I'll say this again. We're very excited. I know I'm very excited for Tulsa King. Tulsa King. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because I think mm-hmm. what we're maybe we're hoping for was that Samaritan was going to be something like that. That this is, oh, I can't believe size reinventing himself. So I think it's a harmless film. I don't think it's going to hurt anybody. But in the back of my mind, I know Tulsa King is coming. And I highly, highly, and I have my hopes are high. So I'm going in with high hopes. I came in this with low hopes. They were met. I'm going in high hopes with Tulsa King, with the production team that's behind this series, Sly mm-hmm. himself. The and director. I can't believe him. He has said publicly over, this is the best thing he's worked on like ever, probably in recent, probably 30 years. This is the best thing he's worked on. So I'm excited for that, and I think we will we'll get a season two from that show. So I'm hopeful. I'm with you. I, I was... Tulsa King, King is is a large departure from this and everything that we've known Sly to do in the past, and I'm really looking forward to it. I want to see how he dives into a character like that, like an inherently bad character. Yeah, he's a mob guy. He's done quote-unquote bad things, but what I love about mob films is they're bad. They're, they're bad in the mm. sense they break the law, but they have their own moral code that they like they, right. they don't. A good mafia guy doesn't kill like innocents. They don't. They're not murderers, but they they will be brutal to those rivals. And you know what I mean, like. So yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to the, uh, his mob twist for sure. This is something yeah, we wanted see. from him. Yeah. Well, our next film. Uh, do you want to put up for a vote? It's. I think it's between Rhinestone and what do we have left? 
what do we have left? Not very much. I mean, I don't. I don't really want to do the animated <laughs> films. I don't know if I could really do them like ants. Um, you know what? We haven't done Shade yet. Shade, yeah. Shade, yeah. And we didn't do. Well, I don't know if this requires an entire episode, but we didn't do like Spy Kids 3D game over yet. That could probably be done as part of like a best of the rest. But yeah, I know we haven't like done ants and Spy Kids. Maybe like a, a, the children movies that he did. Yeah, we'd have to watch but Zookeeper. Zookeeper. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But oh, we haven't done Avenging. Shade. <laughs> Gert reminds us that we didn't do Avenging Angelo yet. Well, I've yeah, yeah. I, I've done it. Didn't we? we didn't Oscar. We, we didn't do. We didn't do Oscar either. Oh, that's right. I guess we got a good handful. So maybe a good poll would be. Well, this would be a good one. Paradise Alley versus Rhinestone versus. Oscar. Oscar? That'd be a good trilogy one to put on a vote. All right. Yeah. Okay. Well, we just want to thank everyone who's listened to this episode on the Last of the Action Heroes podcast network. Doug, why don't you plug where people can find you and Craig? Uh, you... Yeah. <laughs> I don't... <laughs> we'll go that or Doug, then Craig, and then we'll close it. You don't have to look far to find me. We are Last of the Action Heroes podcast network. But the show that I have on that network is called Rocky Minute, um, where we go bit by bit through the Rocky movies and analyze one minute at a time, currently in season three. Yeah, I've enjoyed Craig was a guest on the last few episodes. If you were to go back at the time of this recording, Craig was one of the more recent guests. And it's just funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love how, Doug, you haven't really edited the show to make it sound more evergreen, you know? <laughs> oh, my God. I know. I If I if I were to go back and re-edit all those and, and clip those parts matter, that... The discussions are fun regardless. But there's a couple times yeah. where it's noted when this was recorded. But it doesn't matter. They're great discussions, right. great episodes. And people are still downloading season one and two of Rocky Minute now. Like, it doesn't matter. So it doesn't. at some point, it's going to be an older episode anyway. And Craig, you did a great Enough. job, of course, on that, uh, on that guest. Oh, thanks. I have to go back and listen. I don't remember. Um, <laughs> we still lived in our apartment when, when I recorded that. Mm-hmm. I love being a guest on Rocky Minute there. And... I don't know when it's releasing, but Doug and Seiko have been doing sort of a, a look at all of the good Arnold movies. They're not doing a complete deconstruction where you have to watch the garbage. And we had a really good time chatting, Total Recall. And other than that, again, this the network has really created an environment where nobody has to do too much work if they don't want to. Uh, there's so many great shows on the network that are putting out episodes, so um, nobody really has to do any like extreme heavy lifting. Which is great. I mean, the networks—it's everything I expected it to be, and probably, probably more. Um, Ryan did a great job putting the network together, getting the shows for it, doing the recruiting. Everybody's delivering. Oh, thanks. Yeah, no, it's been a lot of fun. The network is great. Uh, we also haven't done Judge Dread. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> You know what's funny, Craig? Craig, Judge Dredd is your my Avenging Angelo because I've done Avenging Angelo before we, we became a show, the three of us, with yeah. uh, with a guest Real co-host, farts, yeah. a guest co-host that I will not speak of. But anyways, mm-hmm. it's, mm-hmm. It, it's a, it was actually a decent breakdown of the movie. But I think I will do Avenging Angelo when you do Judge Dredd. Well, well you're gonna have to do it again <laughs> with me and Doug. So it's the three of us on this show. I don't ever want to be. I think every episode has been the three of us, so it has to be the three of us. So. But we, mm-hmm. but we are nearing the end. I think it's going to. The show is coming to an end, and we just want to tease right now that the series finale of the Sloan Podcast Network. The time of any new releases will be, of course, Party of Kitty and Studs. That will be. <laughs> and we are going to give it an honest review, as we do with all of his movies. We are going to give it the proper review that it deserves. <laughs> 
I'm not paying money for it though. So you better find it. <laughs> oh, like, uh, uh, okay. All right. Thanks everyone. Thanks. For, oh yeah, I'm uh, I'm Ryan. I host uh, one more round, the Rocket Series podcast, and uh, it's a long road, the Ramble Series podcast on the network. So check those out if you're Rocky Ramble fans. Okay. Thanks everyone. We'll see you again. All right. Bye bye.